negativity takes up so much energy and space. And it's so easy to be negative when you've been through so much. Hi, I'm Janice Brown, and you're entering a world gone good. Hello and welcome to World Gone Good. My name is Steve and I hope you are having yourself a good morning, day, or evening, depending on whatever day, morning, evening, day part you are in. Here at World Gone Good, we shine the light into the darkness and or find the light together within it. And as we continue to grow our audience, I thank you for listening subscribing, rating, reviewing, and or sharing our show. Man, that is two sentences in a row where I got to use and or, and or, and or, and or. That's got to be a record. This is part two of our discussion on how we find the good and can we find the good after we've experienced a great loss, like the loss of a parent, a child, a sibling, or a significant other. And joining me to tell her story of finding her good is my longtime friend, Janice Brown. I just wanted to give you the floor to open this up because your story is so one in a million. Um, and I'm going to let you take the, the, the reins of the, of the show. Go, whenever you want. This is a very long story that I will make short. Um in New York on the one year anniversary of 9-11, they were supposed to get a hurricane and they were having all these crazy tropical winds. And a this wind came through Bronxville, New York, where I grew up, and it just started knocking down trees. So <clears throat> a tree fell on my parents' house and my mom jumped up, ran outside, and as she looked up, a tree fell on her and she did not die immediately, but I believe at that moment she spiritually died. And I had enough time to get home to New York to say goodbye. So she was in the hospital on life support until I got home. And so September 12th, the next day I got to JFK, went straight to the hospital and that was it. You know, we all said our goodbyes and she passed away. It was a crazy 24 hours of my life. Um, you know, talking about it right now is like no time has gone by. It's like it happened yesterday, but it really feels like a lifetime ago. How old were you when you got this phone call? I was 38. No, I was not. (laughs) Can you scratch that? Ask me again. (laughs) (laughs) I may not. I was 33. (laughs) You were 33. And where were you living? In Westwood. And were you alone? Did you have a roommate that you lived with? No, it was my first big girl apartment where I lived all by myself. I was working at Lifetime in development for scripted and reality. So I was a very, very busy person. And ironically I was I had a little downtime and I was talking to my coworker, and we were kind of telling ghost stories and we were just talking about weird stuff that happens I had had a friend that had passed away just a few years ago a dear friend of mine and 
I, we were just talking about like how I know he's always around. And then the phone rang and it was my brother. So it was a very strange moment about how it happened. What was your first thought when information like that is given to you about your parent, about your mom? I do remember it it was an out of body experience. It was just shock because even though my brother didn't tell me the severity of the situation, my, my soul knew my, you know, everything in me knew this is a really bad situation. So I kind of remember seeing myself from above on the phone, hanging up the phone and just going into complete shock. And I went straight into my boss's office. I didn't say a word and she looked at me. Oh, so wait a minute, wait a minute, you were at work? Yes, I was at work. Oh, Jesus, okay. Yeah, so I was talking to my coworker about all this, like. Oh, I get you, I get you, go ahead. So um, so I walked into my boss's office, didn't say a word. She looked at me, she said, oh my God, what is wrong? And I just burst into tears and I couldn't even, I couldn't even communicate. And she called in our two of our coworkers. It was like our team closed the door. They're like, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. You know, I have to go home. My mom was in an accident. You know, I couldn't really, I didn't have much information. So they knew it was a serious situation. So I could, I wasn't physically capable of doing anything at that moment. So they, they did everything for me. What is it like to walk into that hospital and see your mom and know that you, did you, you knew at this point, this was goodbye? Um, not, I mean, yes and no. I didn't know the severity till I walked into the per room. Did you prep what you wanted to say to her? Did you speak to her? Were you able to speak to her? Yeah. I mean, I didn't prep anything. Uh, it was like, you know, the doctors came in and I think it was for my benefit because they had all been there for 24 hours, came in and explained the situation. And, you know, she was basically gone. And once they pull her off life support, that would be it, whether it was two minutes or two hours. Um, So it was, you know, we just kind of all were sitting around staring at her, you know, crying, saying goodbye. But then I had this moment that came over me that was just like, this is like, what are we doing? Everybody needs time alone with her. So, cause everyone, they told me like, I said, has anyone been alone with her? And they all said, no. I said, well, I think it's time that we all have our goodbye. You know, we all have two minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever anyone needs. We all need to be alone. And then let's all come back together and say goodbye. You're, you're such a producer like me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not making light, but you know what I mean? It's like, you're such a manager. All right. We're not getting anything done here. Things need to be done. We, we are on a time frame here. You know, we have a schedule. We are limited in time. We need to get this done. Right. So um, I kicked everybody out and I said, who wants to go first? And my dad went first and then my brother and then my sister-in-law came in with my brother, my sister, and then her husband, they 
came in together and then my aunt and uncle and then me. And I was the last one. And I just had a great talk with her. I know that sounds weird, but you know, I told her that I got this. We're going to be okay. And I think at that time she needed to hear that it was okay to go. Was there a good in the moment for you of being able to be there and to say what you needed to say and to let, for me, my dad, and I'll try not to cry, the most important person in my life, to let him go? Yeah. Yeah, I think they need to be, they need to know that it's okay to go. They have to be told because... They're not going to go because that ha- that's exactly what happened with my dad. We sat around and stared at him and we're like, I thought he was supposed to die a couple days ago. And cause that's what the doctors kept telling us. And I don't mean to make light of the situation, but like we literally just would look at each other like, what is the deal with this guy? He, you know, we've been prepped every single day to say goodbye and it is excruciating. And that that moment came to me again. I was like, oh, you guys, we have to leave him alone. He's not going to die in front of us. Let's all say goodbye. It was 1130 at night and it had been like two weeks of this going on where he was, they told us he's going to die any minute and he's not going to die when we stare at him. And so we all said our goodbyes again, you know, just like we did with my mom. And I said to him, it's okay, you can go. And literally 15 minutes later, he died. <laughs> no one was in the room. The nurse came and told us, okay, he's, he's gone. And it was like, I wasn't happy that he died, but I was happy that he got the message. How long between your mother and your father's death? Uh, six years. What good came to you from these experiences, specifically your mom? If any, what, what, what's the good? Well, with my mom, when my, we, when my dad was saying goodbye, um, she had a tear that came out of her eye and down her face. And we just knew that she heard, you know, she could feel or hear everything that was going on. So she passed, passed away on September 12th. And later that day we were home. My sister and I, and my dad were sitting in the backyard. My sister and I were sitting on a bench and he was at the table and he was just crying and, you know, processing what was going on. And I swear to God, Steve, it was like in a movie she appeared. <laughs> and again, thank God my sister was there because no one would believe this story. And it wasn't like she was like this big, flowy, beautiful ghost. It was like particles. Like, you know, when in the old days when the TV goes off at midnight? Okay. So it was 100% my mom because we recognized her, we saw her. And she was standing there and she put her arm around him and my sister and I were staring. And then we looked at each other and I said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? 
And she said, yeah, I didn't want to say anything because I, I didn't know what it was. And if I'm really seeing it, I said, oh, no, that she's here. So I know, it, you know, it's it's such a sad story and situation. But to me, that was good. That was a, a beautiful, good thing that came of it. And, you know, that is the one thing. I will never, ever, ever forget. You know, I've, I definitely forgot so many things about those 24, 48 hours, but that is one thing that I will never forget and can never forget. And then a few interesting things happened after to let us know that she's okay. Um, you know, and I think when you die suddenly and tragically, and, and it's a shock to everybody, that person has a hard time moving on. So I think my mom was around for a little bit before she actually went on her journey. <laughs> um, so we kept seeing signs of her and I, and I feel like it, it gave us a little bit of comfort and peace. Do your parents come to you in your dreams? Because my dad, my dad will come to me in a dream and it's very strange because a dream will be happening and my father almost like almost like at a corner of an eye comes at me and I'm not scared or anything, not, not comes at me, but walks into and all of a sudden I'll turn and the entire dream that's happening in this, <laughs> again, TV people, in this camera <laughs> um, goes to camera B and we flip angles and then my father will... I can't always hear him, but I can feel what he's trying to emote toward me. Um, my sister dreams about him a lot. My mother was very upset about this because she he wasn't coming to her. And I think just recently she was very happy. And this is, he's been gone now four and a half years. And she said to me just recently in a phone call, your daddy came to me in a dream and it was so nice. It was so nice. And I was like, oh, because she was really wanted it. We kept telling her that you know, he's coming in dreams. So I throw that to you. Are Do you dream? Do they show up in your dreams? So that's such an interesting question. So very quickly, let me just tell you this one thing. When I was pregnant and I went into labor, um, I was in labor for 48 hours at the hospital. He, Duncan would not come out. <laughs> My doctor would not give me a C-section. Every right. nurse and doctor that came in when my doctor wasn't there was like, you need to have a C-section. We got to get this going. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But my doctor wouldn't do it. So finally, at like the 40, 40th hour, he said, okay, we're going to have to probably give you a C-section. Uh, probably. So I had my, I went into surgery at like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday and they got Duncan out. He was born. They cleaned him up, put him in his little bed to the left of me. So I'm on the table and I remember turning my head, looking, and now, mind you, I've been in labor for 42 hours. I'm on morphine. I've had an epidural. I'm completely loaded up with drugs. But in the most clear moment of that 48 hours, when I looked to the left, I saw my parents standing over Duncan. Like oh, wow. they were bending over the little bed, saying hello to him. Uh, <clears throat> so now to answer your question, do they come to me in my dreams? Um, they didn't for years and years and years. And I remember people asking me, do, do you ever dream about your parents? No, never. 
But the second I got pregnant, they were in my dreams every single night <laughs> for the entire pregnancy. It was really, really weird where they just came out of nowhere. Um, and then after he was born, I didn't, I never dreamt about them again. But then unfortunately I had four miscarriages and while I was pregnant for every single miscarriage, they were there, wow. which I find so fascinating. I guess this is a, like a whole other podcast, but um, it's just, it's incredible what your mind can do. Yes. If you're open to it. And I, and I think that the reason why I can tell anyone listening that you are not making this shit up is because a long time ago in my very first one man apartment, my own apartment on Vista street, 1333 Vista number eight, number nine, number nine, you came over and I was telling you, I was in that step in kitchen doing dishes. We had had dinner. I was doing something. We we're going to go out. And you were sitting in my big green puffy. Remember that my big green chair I had? <laughs> and I stepped out. You were telling me a story and you stopped talking. And I go, and, and, hello. And we're in our 20s. And I step out of the kitchen. I'm looking at you. And you are bone white looking into the hallway with your mouth agape and I go, what's up? And you look at me and you go, I don't want to be here anymore. We need to go. I don't want to be here. And I go, what's the matter? And I turn the sink off and I come over to you and you go, a man just stepped out of your doorway. I just saw a man out of the corner of my eye. And do you remember this? I mean, I have so many experiences like <laughs> Because you said to me, no, you said to me, a man stepped out of it. And I said, oh, yeah, that's the fucking dude who used to live here. He overdosed. <gasps> and you're like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And we left. And we went to somewhere like one of our favorite, like, like Bossa Nova, like one of our go-tos. Uh-huh. And uh, we got the plantains. <laughs> and, um, and you were still like, and then you said to me, I told you, like, yeah, this guy used to live there and he overdosed and they took him out on a gurney. I said, and I need to get the place cleansed. And then you said to me, I, I won't come back over. I'm sorry. I won't come back over until he's not there anymore. And I had to cleanse the place and I had you come back over and you walked around and you're like, he's gone. Here's a question about your being a mother now. What is something that you've caught yourself doing that your mother did that you've second guessed yourself or been like, God damn it. I told myself being my mother right now. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> Oh my gosh, so many things over the past, you know, 10 years or so. Um, the one that I'm giggling that make that comes to mind, and I could never understand this. She always had vanilla ice cream, vanilla Haagen-Dazs with pretzels at night. And I it just was like so boring to me. Why are you eating that? You know, put some hot fudge on there or some sprinkles or get a different flavor. And guess what I love now? <laughs> vanilla ice cream with pretzels on it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, what, another funny thing is I can never understand why she always went around the house, turning the lights off. And if you're not in the room, the light doesn't need to be on. And right. what do I do now with my husband and my son? Every light in this house is on 24 hours a day. I go to every single room. If the light is on and we're not in the room, we turn the light out. <laughs> That's the good. Yeah. Oh, no, Totally. 
I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask everybody on this podcast. You can um, think about them and then give an answer, or you can just answer. This doesn't even have to be on topic of what we're talking about, just whatever you want to go with. So my question to you is, question number one, who inspires you? Oh my gosh, there's so many people that inspire me. (laughs) Um, The people that inspire me most are the people that are doing good for the world. My friends who have started charities really inspire me. Um, So I have a few friends that have done that. Our friend Cordelia, Chef Cordelia, she, um, every Thanksgiving, she makes hundreds and hundreds of meals for homeless people. And for the past several years, we've taken Duncan to help prepare those meals. Um, because it's just really important to us that he, he understands what it means to be compassionate and kind and grateful. Um, so we help her. We also do, um, this other, we help out with this other charity. Um, what is it called? Toys and more, the toys and more drive. Our friend Lauren Hisrich, um, does that every Christmas and, it's really inspiring what she has done. She, it was, it started so small, maybe like 10 years ago where just a few friends donated and she took that money and went to target and bought clothing and toys and gifts and necessities for people in need. Um, and so from 10 years ago to today, I think last year she raised $41,000. So we go, there's an army of us, um, maybe like 20, 30 people that go and help shop for a couple of hours. We're all given a certain amount of money, thousands of dollars, literally. And we're given, okay, go buy, uh, you know, diapers, formula, bottles, you know, onesies, you know, for babies and then for kids and then for toddlers, kids, teenagers, for people in need. Um, and that is so inspiring to do. And again, it's a teaching moment for Duncan. My very last question for you is really simple. You can answer it any way you want. Tell me something good. My son. He is the best. He, oh my gosh. He just makes everything better. Believe me, there are moments, parenting moments, where I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, frustrated, of course, but he, he reminds me to smile. He reminds me to be kind, to be present, to be grateful, to be positive because negativity takes up so much energy and space. And it's so easy to be negative when you've been through so much tragedy. I don't want to cry. (laughs) But he is, he, he is my God. Thank you, Janice, for sharing your story, your truth, your good. Next time on World Gone Good. And I say to people, the person that you're having sex with probably wants to be a sex god, right? Everyone wants to be a sex god you really have to trust and you have to make yourself vulnerable oh yeah we're going there we're talking sex 
good sex, bad sex, all the sex in between. How many more times can I say the word sex? With Sexpert, there I said it again, and host of Sex Ed the Musical podcast, Wendy Miller. I hope you'll join us for a revealing good time. See what I did there? Until then, be good. <laughs>